You are listening to Church 101, a sermon series by Pastor Bay Allen. It is great to be with you today uh, as we are starting a new series. As the cover of your bulletin showed you, uh, it's called Church 101. Um, And so uh, we're going to be looking at what it means to be the church. We're going to be looking at what it means to do things uh, perhaps in a different way than we've done, or uh, perhaps maybe revisiting the way that we used to do things and we don't do them that way anymore. But we, as we saw last week, God is leading us towards a new thing. Not just an old thing to do in a new way, because then you got an old new. We're looking at a new thing that God is calling us to do. Um, and so for some of us, we have never understood what it means to be the church. We can be honest about that. Uh, we, we, can, we can come around and sing in, in like a circle around the campfire outside about that and say, we did not do this well, um, but moving forward, we're going to do our best. Because this series will look at what it means to be the church. And it sounds like a large topic, but being the church was never intended to be a difficult thing. It was always meant to be simple. It was meant to be a very simple thing. And this series will look at what it means to carry out our mission. The mission that Jesus Christ gave to us. And the mission that we have as United Methodists, which is to make disciples of the world. Or disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So that is our mission that we have before us. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 3. Hear these words. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote above in a few words a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery, the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Jesus Christ through the gospel Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So that is what we are going to be looking at. Paul very poignantly pointed out a purpose of the church, which some people could say that is the purpose of the church. That's what it's all about, right? That's, to the, that's to the title of today's message is that's what it's all about. Because the church really is a proclamation of a simple gospel after all. It's not necessarily about the way that we say things or, or exactly what we say, but who we say them for, how we say them is secondary to the who. 
And so we, we need a reboot. Some of you who have been going to church your whole lives, you may have let the liturgy kind of go stale. You may have let some of the power and some of the singing even just drop down. And you need a reboot. I pray that this series will be a reboot for you. And for those of you who are brand new to church, that you're just trying to figure out what it's all about, I pray that this will be a great start for you. A great way to see what God has always been calling the church to be. And so today's scripture brings up a few points. The first one, uh, who are the Gentiles in this scripture? Who are the Gentiles that Paul is talking about? Translation, please, because some people would say, what is a Gentile? I have no idea what a Gentile is. Gentiles, think of them as the other. Okay, you know how Sprite's the other or the Uncola or whatever. Uh, Think of Gentiles as the other. If you're taking notes, just write the other, and that'll be a pretty good start. Because once upon a time, this connection with God, it was something that was seen as only for a religious few. It was, it, it was for the Jews. Um, no one else could, could enter into it. But in Jesus Christ, that all changed. Now we see an extension to the other. The other is allowed in. The other is now a co-heir with Christ as well. This gospel, we find out, is for everyone. We come to see that we are the same body. Yes, we are working together. We are different parts, but working together. Some of you may have a heart for ministry and missions and in outreach. Others of you, like some of our teachers back there, and maybe you in one of these pews has a, has a, a passion for teaching. Maybe it's for uh, feeding the hungry. Maybe, maybe it's not so much the mission side, but you're just good at cooking. You know, you just have these kind of gifts that are about you. We are so different, yet we are one body. We need to allow our differences to work together just as the body does, because we are the same body. And we also come to see that we are sharers in the one promise, the one promise that we hold in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ brings us all together. Salvation is available to anyone who acknowledges him, Lord. This is not just for a select few as it once was. This is for everyone. Jesus Christ is available. Salvation is available to all who say he is Lord. It's why we celebrate communion. It's why there's one loaf, one cup. There's one Lord. There's one body. The relationship with God, it is not just for us. And in Jesus, we see that. And the Apostle Paul pointed it out when he said, this grace was given to me to bring the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ. Given to me to bring to the other. Given to me to bring to those who don't necessarily look like me. Talk like me. Eat the same foods that I eat. Go to the same things that I go to. The other. This is why the church exists. To bring the gospel, the life-saving message of Jesus Christ to the other. It's been said the church is the only organization in the world created for those who are not yet members. And we see this. This is why Jesus ate with sinners. This is why, why Jesus, he went among, he healed and touched the lepers. People that wouldn't, people wouldn't go near him with a 30-foot pole. Jesus did. 
He told parables that caught people completely by surprise. I mean, we read them today and it's kind of like the word Gentiles, like the good Samaritan. What? The Samaritan was the other. The Samaritan was always seen in a negative context until Jesus. Jesus brought this mission to the church to take this good news to the other. It's why Jesus uh, with the woman of the well, some of you may remember this story. He said to his disciples, we must go through Samaria. And they're like, what? We must go through Samaria. He was teaching his disciples their mission was to the other. To the very places that they ran away from. The places that did not look like them and made them feel uncomfortable. Jesus was saying, this is where your mission is. When they saw him talking to the other, they were often taken aback. He's talking with that person. Why is Jesus talking to that person? If you want to read more about the woman at the well, check out John 4, you know, verses 4 through what, 40, something like that. Read about it at home. You'll see Jesus taking it to the other. That's what we are called to do in the United Methodist Church. Again, we are to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And I pray that you remember that so that you don't have to read it on a bumper sticker or on a website, but you can say it and mean it. Because that is why we exist. It is an extension of why Jesus said we exist. And for many of us, this is a new thing. We've forgotten what we are here to do, but this is what it's all about. I want you to know today before you leave that you have something to give. Say, I have something to give. I have something to give. Amen. We are told that we have boundless riches in Jesus Christ. Boundless riches. Don't sell this short. Don't say, oh yeah, that's just boundless. Do you know what boundless riches means? If someone were to come up to you today and say, hey, uh, I'd like for you to have boundless riches. You'd be like, yay. Right? I would. I just got taken for almost $1,000 over the holidays. Some dude in Europe took almost $1,000 of my money. I would love for someone to come to me and say, how would you like boundless riches? I'd be like, yeah, I can even give more to that guy in Europe. It doesn't matter. It's boundless, right? We have something to give. You know how you can go online and you can look up the net worth of people? Have you ever done this? Like, I don't know. Every now and then I just kind of, I'm like, wonder how much so-and-so, like Johnny Depp, for instance, how much does he make? You know, what's his net worth? They throw around this word. He is worth $200 million. He's a good actor. I think he deserves more. Now, um, U2, Bono from U2, $700 million net worth. Dr. Dre, $800 million. He is a doctor after all. J.K. Rowling, $1 billion. You think when her mom had her, she's like, I got to feed her well, she'll be a billionaire, you know? Oprah Winfrey, $3.2 billion net worth. Steven Spielberg, $3.7 billion. Not million, billion dollars. And other than entertainers, look at this guy. 
He probably got picked on in school, right? Bill Gates, $90 billion. We used to look to him as the big dog, right? Not anymore. Now it's actually Jeff Bezos over at Amazon. You know what he makes? $112 billion. For you Facebookers, Mark Zuckerberg, number four was $71 billion. I'm saying these because these are the big dogs that we look at and we say, man, wouldn't that be nice? How do they put a price tag on these people is one question I have. How can they say that's their net worth? But beyond that, as much as we look up to people because they're successful, I want you to know today you have boundless riches in Jesus Christ. Boundless. No one can put a dollar sign on it. That is what you have. Don't sell it short. Share it. Share it. In Christ, we have boundless riches. Say that with me. Boundless riches. Boundless riches. Doesn't that make you feel good? Makes me feel good. And coming out of Christmas, uh, you know, we, we think of the wise men in the scripture in, Mark, or in Matthew 2. It told us that they were overwhelmed with joy, right? And then they came and they left their gifts of gold and frankincense and, and myrrh. You know why they needed to lay those down? I was just thinking about this. They needed to lay those down so they could pick up the boundless riches in Christ. They needed to lay those down to free up the space. It's like we don't need this stuff anymore. When we come together and worship and we have offering. That's our gold frankincense and myrrh. It's like our time, our talents and our tithe. We lay those down. Why? Not because we have to. I hope it's not because you think you have to so that you can pick up the boundless riches of Christ. It's to make room, right? For more grace in your life, for more, for more of what God has for you instead of what you've already got. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. I'm going to be closing up here because I've been talking, it seems like, forever. This is Church 101. This is what it's all about. This is the basic fundamental of what the church is about. And many of us don't know it. I'm just being honest. I'm still figuring some of it out and I'm a pastor, right? This is the basic stuff and we still got to work together as one body, as one sharers in what we have, this one hope in Christ. We need to work it out together. That's why we're here. That's why the church exists. But it doesn't exist just so that we get it, but so that we can give it. So that we can share it when we're out beyond these doors. This table that we have before us, it's not our table. This is God's table. It's God's table. We share the table together. We, we may not look the same. Just as many grains form one loaf of bread, we are one body. Just as many grapes come under great pressure and are crushed to make something so beautiful that we can share together. That's who we are as the church. 
This table that we, it's more than a table. And seeing that this is Church 101, I wanted to teach you about that. We don't just do this once a month. We do this whenever we gather, whenever you drink. Remember, is what we are commanded by our Lord. This is God's table. And just as it was offered to us, it's offered to those who aren't in here. They may not even know it. Part of our boundless riches is sharing this table. Letting them know that there's a seat at the table. There are many traditions in the church, many of which get lost in more contemporary church. You know, there's specific creeds that you can say. Things that have been said for centuries. Words that are spoken collectively. Prayers that are very personal and done silently. Ancient prayers that are done together. But essentially, in communion, this is the table of the Lord. It's about the Lord sharing with us. Not about the words that we say, but the heart with which we receive it. John Wesley spoke of various means of grace. The sacrament of Holy Communion is one of those means. Some people say, well, what does means mean? This is Church 101. What does means? It's an experience. It's the way you experience God's grace in your life. There are many of them. This is one. All of them are not our own. They are gifts from God, part of the boundless riches that we have in Christ. And they're not ours to keep. They are ours just like communion is shared. They are ours to share. This table nourishes us beyond physical nourishment. It, it is us partaking in the promise of Christ. My body given for you. The cup of salvation. These are the things that we share. And generally it is expected that when we leave this place, it is lived out beyond these doors. That this is the body that we share. That this is the cup that we pass among us outside of these doors, welcoming others in. That is why in the United Methodist Church we have an open table. Because this is not our table. This is God's table.